Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit caron.org slash lost. Spring deals at Ross will have you saying, it's a yes for me. Say yes to trending looks like tube tops, dad shorts, and mini skirts for less than online, or vintage tees and beach shorts for a weekend getaway. With all the styles to choose from, there's a yes around every corner. Because saving money and looking good is what you do. It's a yes for you and your bank account. Hit up Ross for your certified yes for me moment. And I think it really comes back to that intentional thing. One of my biggest recommendations for people is buy those like really cute poofs at like Pottery Barn or whatever. Make creative places for people to sit, make stations. We teach that in a lot of our classes. And ultimately, when we're worried about the way our space looks, the appearance is really internalizing the truth that your your invitation can change someone's life. You're listening to She with Jordan Lee Dooley a personal development podcast for the everyday woman. Come invited, leave ignited. Here's your host, Jordan Lee Dooley. Hey, Katie, welcome to She. Hey, thanks for having me. So fun. You are so welcome. So excited to have you. I discovered your page a while back. It was like right before the holidays. I don't know how Mm -hmm. I discovered it. I think someone may have tagged you or something, but I literally geeked out. I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. And I've like (laughs) loved your stuff ever since. And so I would love if you can share a little bit about what you do. Tell us your background, what you do, and kind of what led you to build a business and a brand for women centered around hospitality, kind of what I call even the lost art of hospitality. Hmm. Yeah. I love the way you said that. So yeah, I'm Katie. My husband Colby and I are the co-owners of Gather Intentional Living and Everyday Hospitality, a really long name, but it encompasses everything well. Yeah. We're a business that does everything we do to equip and inspire the everyday host. So our hope is to kind of like debunk hospitality and make the things that culture says are unattainable, attainable with the goal of, yeah, like people feeling comfortable opening their doors and filling their tables. Yeah. So our road here has been a very unlikely one. Um, A lot of people think I was raised in a household that had a lot of parties, or maybe I was taught this from a young age, but it was actually um, the opposite. Well, my mom really wanted to, there was just a lot of brokenness in our house and um, it actually required that we moved a lot and couldn't have a lot of gatherings. And so I, I say my story actually starts pretty young. Um, I was a new kid a lot. And I I remember being super young, so excited to meet new friends. And every time we moved, I think it was nine times, um, I was so excited for friends and I was met with ruthless bullying. And um, elementary school didn't phase me. Middle school are my earliest memories of being insecure. And college, oh, forget it. Like I was just pushing relationships away, super scared of friendship. 
And um, my husband and I got married. There's a lot here. So if you want to unpack any of it, let me know. <laughs> Don't worry. We will. <laughs> um, so my husband and I moved to Thailand to serve um, in anti-trafficking work. Mm-hmm. And while we were there, so we just did this huge international move. And I remember pretty quick feeling a desperate sense of loneliness. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, Katie, like you've really spent these last few years pushing people away and now you need them, you know? And we needed them for language and culture and all those things. And so I felt like I was presented with two options. Um, I had to learn how to accept an invitation and to not be afraid of new relationships. And I also had to learn what it meant to go first and welcome people into my house. And so it really started there and it was super like itchy and just uncomfortable But I remember some of those times at the table, people left and I felt like my whole experience with community was just being rewritten and it was so sweet. And so, yeah, a few months after that, we were there four years. Um, I'm a very sound sleeper and I feel like God woke me up in the middle of the night and I just had this like super vivid, whatever you want to call it, like dream, vision, illustration, whatever. And it was this super vibrant, lively gathering. And I was kind of at the center, I guess, like the host, I don't know. And I felt like God whispered, it's called gather. And I was like, excuse me, what? Mm. (laughs) Like I do anti-trafficking work, you know? And so I was like, well, God, what am I capable of right now in this, you know, visual? I was like, oh, there's food on the table. I'll start a catering company. Mm. So I woke up the next day and was like, okay, Colby, we're doing catering. And um, if you know Colby at all, he's like, yeah, okay, whatever, you know, (laughs) whatever you got to do. And we ended up with a series of just a series of events later, having to move back to America. And I brought that with us, the catering company. And I found here, people already have their places, their bakery, their catering company. They didn't need that. And so I was like, wow, God, like, what were you trying to show me in that image? If I'm not supposed to provide people the food, what am I supposed to do? And I feel like it kind of was this like step back, look at it again. And he was like, teach it. And I was like, gosh, God, I'm like this 23 year old pipsqueak that doesn't even have a house, you know, mm-hmm. like, what do I have to say about hospitality? And is this when you I, just moved to Thailand, this is when we just moved back okay. to America. Oh, when you just moved back to America. Okay. Gotcha. I'm following. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, sorry. That's good to clarify, but so I was like, oh, everyone in America is going to love cakes and food. And they do, but there's there's a lot of places to get it already. Um, so I felt this invitation to teach. And I remember our first class, it sold out. And then it sold out again. And then it sold out again. And the conversations at the, ca- the table kept happening. And people were saying, hospitality is so intimidating to me. And so... Um, I think since then, we've just been committed to teaching the everyday host. And then if there's something that I don't know, because like I said, I'm, I'm 29 right now. I'm just committed to learning it first and then coming back and teaching it. I love that. And that's really what it is, right? Coming, going yeah. to it and then coming back to teaching it. I mean, I think sometimes we think we have to be the experts at everything we talk about or share or teach with others. And I've come to find yeah. um, we can really be like brokers of knowledge. Like we don't have to be the ultimate expert, but we can be the gatherers of the knowledge or we can learn mm-hmm. and then we can break it down for others and kind of broker that knowledge in a way that makes it feel very achievable and attainable rather mm-hmm. than intimidating. And I think you do that really well. But I would love to hear what hospitality means to you. What does that mean to you and why is it so important? Hmm. Okay. So I feel like there are two types of hospitality. There is untouchable hospitality and intentional hospitality. And so 
to me, untouchable hospitality. There's a lot of wonderful brands, very beautiful on the outside, but it, it appears that their mission is to just make everything look good, you know? Um, and I think that's the type of hospitality that scares people because they're like, I, I know I can't do that. I don't have the money for that. It makes me uncomfortable. Um, and then intentional hospitality is beauty is still important. Details are still important, but it's with, um, the focus of how is this going to make my guests feel? Um, and so that's what I'm trying to redefine hospitality as, I guess, more like intentional than untouchable. Yeah. And so I think, you know, hospitality is a lost art. You're right when you said that. And I think we're seeing a lot of consequences of it in our culture right now less time around the table. And so to me, hospitality is a vehicle for community and connection. That's good. A vehicle for community and connection. I love that so much. You know, for a lot of women, and I love that you highlighted this too, just the sense of untouchable and kind of what makes that intimidating. A lot of times, I think even when they want to be intentional, we often find ourselves stressed about it instead of enjoying it. So I'd be curious what tips you have. Like, how do we transition from like, okay, I don't have to be Martha Stewart or create a Pinterest. I mean, I'm hosting a bridal shower this summer, for example. And I'm like, this has to be Instagram worthy. Like I can get into that mindset, but that's also part of what I do. So it's fun for me, but it's also, it can create a lot of pressure. And so I'd love to hear what tips you have for making hospitality fun and something that doesn't feel like high pressure. Hmm. So one of my big things, like it's so just amazing to me really how much like anxiety there is about hospitality. And, and everyone says, just like you were saying, you want it to be perfect. And I think, um, something that's, yeah, I try to communicate often is growth should always be the goal. Like we should always be on a road to goal uh, or road to growth Mm -hmm. and perfection should never be the goal. It's not attainable. And so kind of just enjoying that process and even breaking it down of, okay, this month I'm going to try to master making a charcuterie next month is mastering cooking and just making it buildable. Don't put the pressure on yourself to master it all at once. And then, huh, let me think, making it fun. Um, I, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I was going to say, give yourself grace, but that's easier said than done. And I'm not the master of that. <laughs> um, I don't know. Let me think on that and give you some more ideas. Okay. We'll yeah. circle back to this question at the end. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. I think that's a tough, like, and I think it's, I mean, I don't know if there is a one size fits all answer to it to begin with because it just varies by your personality. Like some people, it does. you know, really enjoy, you know, doing activities. Like my mom, she's like, I will come up with all the activities. And to me, I'm <laughs> like, I don't really like to feel like I have to entertain. I'd rather interact. And so, and she does too, but she's just really good with activities. Whereas that's not really a strength. Mm-hmm. So I think it can vary per personality type, but yeah, let's circle back to that one as we noodle on it. Cause I think that is something where I, it, a lot of yeah. people feel overwhelmed, you know, I have one thought too. So a lot of what we teach, like if you, you know, were to stumble on our website after this, we have hospitality classes. You'll notice that all of the themes of them are how to prepare your house and kind of like your heart before the gathering. And so I think that that work, like everyone thinks you have to just prepare the day of, and it's so stressful with all those things. Mm-hmm. But if you kind of spread it over time, it makes it so much more realistic and comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. true. That's true. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. I would love if you can share what you would say to the woman who feels like her home isn't big enough or nice enough to host others. And I think this comes back to that untouchable side of hospitality. Yeah. But what mm-hmm. would you say to her if she's like, I just don't have a lot of space or, you know, I don't, I don't really feel like it's very, a very nice environment. You know, I have to update this or I have to update that. Like, I think that can really get in our way. Um, what would you say to her? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So I, I come from the train of thought that no space is too big or too small. Um, I'm very transparent about this with our followers. We are in the tiniest space right now, living in the tiniest space. And I've struggled with it too. Like I can't open my doors. This is so embarrassing and not practical, whatever we're struggling with. And I think it really comes back to that intentional thing. Like yeah. one of my biggest recommendations for people is um, buy those like really cute poofs at like um, Pottery Barn or whatever. Make creative places for people to sit, make stations. We teach that in a lot of our classes. And ultimately, when we're worried about the way our space looks, the appearance is really internalizing the truth that your your invitation can change someone's life. Mm. And so a lot of these things that we're hung up on um, is really like, um, I don't want to say wasted time, but like, it's worth being uncomfortable for a little bit um, for the sake of an invitation, because someone's waiting for that invitation. Um, yeah. And so yeah, I guess just like flipping the narrative. Mm, yeah, I think that's really good. That's so good. Um, mm -hmm. I, I also want to ask about this too, because you touched a little bit on the space. How can someone use yeah. lighting or music or, you know, uh, really, how can they set the ambiance for the gathering that they're trying, like the, the emotion and the feel and the vibe that they're trying to create, especially if they're on a budget? I think that's a huge problem. Uh -huh. How can we use these things that are at our disposal creatively, you know, to really set the mood without it feeling like it's costing a ton of money or really overwhelming? So, so good. So yeah, recently um, I kind of went on this like quest to look kind of like step back and look at people's homes or events that I felt a particular sense of belonging at versus those that I didn't. And I was like, what is it? You know? And I was like, wow, this house had, you know, whatever, a list mm -hmm. of things. And I realized that there really is a balance between the come as you are hospitality where your laundry's undone, your, you know, your dishes aren't clean. Mm -hmm. Um, and perfect. I feel like we need to fall somewhere in the middle because ambiance really, it, it does matter. It does create a sense of belonging or not. Mm -hmm. And so I broke it down into three main areas that I feel like it falls under, like you said, lighting space and music. And so lighting is one of those things. I mean, as long as you already have a space that you're living in, you have all the lighting that you need, you know, it's free. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but lighting kind of um, is like gasoline for an event. And so I always say like bright lights will yield high energy. Dim lights will kind of lead to melancholy, you know, energy at an event. And so it's important to use them properly to kind of trigger the response that you want. Mm -hmm. um, candles are great, essential oil diffusers, um, curtains to block light or let light in, Um and then music is kind of the same way, like, um, you know, the the faster the tempo, the more energy you're feeding into a gathering, the slower the tempo, the, the less, you know, less energy. And I think that music is often misused in that way. Like, I love Michael Bublé, but it's not always, you know, a good setting for that. <laughs> I don't, I don't want people swaying away. I want yeah. them like, you know, excited to celebrate. So, um, yeah, someone's home that I spent a lot of time in college, they had music playing all the time. And I just remember feeling so just a sense of like serenity there. And I was like, man, music really, you know, has a lot of, um, it speaks for us, I guess, when we don't have words. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it can help cut through like any, when like, you know, the awkward silences that can happen if you don't know your guests very well either. I think that was right. something I've noticed too. It can like kind of help build a space where it allows for more natural pauses in conversation. Hmm, that's good. Yeah, that's so true. 
And space is something, oh my gosh, I have so much to say about space because I think space is misused too. Like I, um, a lot of times hosts get overwhelmed because everything's in the kitchen, everyone's in the kitchen. So I recommend creating spaces or um, stations in your house with space. So kind of um, positioning the food where you want your guests to gather, creating ways for them to interact, and even stations that allow them to serve themselves without you having to be there. So drink stations, charcuterie stations, toiletries in the bathroom, things like that. Mm, That's a really good idea. I've never thought to do stations, but that makes so much sense because you're almost like guiding them where you want them yes to tell them like go over there i'm i'm overwhelmed and in the kitchen <laughs> can you go away for a second <laughs> yeah exactly i love that that's such a nice Good. way to say what you're trying to say and also give them something to do also you know it's not only for you it gives them yeah. something to do and something to check out and interact over and that makes complete sense um yes something else that i'm curious about is you have your own story of how your illness has you know or could negatively affect your hospitality what What's your advice for someone who may have dietary restrictions and feel feel like they can't really host others or attend dinners because of this restriction in their life? Yeah, so um, I'll make this short because it could be a whole other episode. I've connected just to so much of what you're going through um, right now, just navigating health and you know the overwhelm of expenses and diet and all of that. I've totally been there. So when we moved to Thailand, I was very sick and we had to decide if I was going to move back or stay. And ultimately, I stayed and had to figure it out. And I remember the first thing um, I realized was, wow, this creates a lot of separation at gatherings. There's a lot of like my food and your food or, or I'm not eating tonight, apparently. (laughs) And so, yeah, I, I really went on a quest in the beginning to create food that was so good that everyone would enjoy it. And so it's not easy, but there's a lot of really wonderful bloggers right now making those crave worthy recipes. And so I would say if you're a host or you are someone with restrictions um, to kind of, I mean, you could reach out to me at any point. I'll share the ones I found, but to find those recipes that are so good that you could just make one batch and include everyone in the, um, in the process Mm. Um, for the host that's overwhelmed. I find specifically like moms when they find out their kids have (laughs) special Mm. diets, use the recipes that you know and love and just find the ways to swap out the main ingredients. So like the good gluten-free flour, the good dairy-free milk, and then just keep it the same. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I've, mm-hmm. I've definitely felt that feeling like when I found out that I couldn't have gluten and it was really causing problems with my with my body. I remember feeling like I went to dinner for the first time and I like, asked all these questions like, does this have gluten in it? And I, I remember oh, saying I, I was with somebody for dinner. And I was like, I feel so high maintenance. Like I remember I just yeah. felt so like I was making something that wasn't supposed to be complicated, complicated. And yeah. I think that feeling can really discourage us from gathering Mm -hmm. others, you know? And so being, especially when it's in your home, you have a little bit more control over it, right? Like you can, like you said, swap those things out and it actually is quite doable. Like I just learned how to make this amazing banana oat bread and it's like, Mm -hmm. it's just made with almond flour instead of regular flour and oats instead of, you know, it just, it's actually really amazing. And my husband, who's a very uh, picky, he's a foodie. He's the (laughs) ultimate foodie. And so if something's not good, like he'll, he'll sometimes literally say it's missing two things, taste and flavor. And, um, I'm like, thanks, but he, so he's a, he's a hard judge. And he even said, he's like, wow, these are like, you're really like, this is really good. You know? So it it could take a little bit of practice, but it's also kind of fun if you can allow that to kind of be a hobby, like rather than feel like a job, I've had to kind of look at finding, you know, new ways to make things and, and trying things as, 
a little bit of a creative hobby. And I've never been a huge right. fan of cooking, but just almost looking at it like an experiment has made it a lot more enjoyable and like uh, something you can do with your hands that's not work or sitting on your laptop or scrolling social media. And you can do that, you know, on a Saturday afternoon when there is no pressure that people are coming over, you know, just kind of familiarize yourself with a couple of go-tos. I think that's been really helpful for me um, Mm -hmm. so that you know what to plan for when people are coming and when you are going to gather people. So yes, um, yes, for sure. And that's also great if you do have guests that may have dietary restrictions too. So I love that advice. Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am and how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost. With two little kids, I do most of my shopping online now, but it can be so hard to shop for things like clothes online because I never know if I'm getting good quality until it arrives. The game changer, upgrading to high quality, affordable pieces from Quince. Now I have luxury essentials that transition from one occasion to the next, and I stayed on budget. Quince has so many options to choose from, like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. One of my favorite items from Quince is the silk pajamas I got. They are so high quality, luxury pajamas, but not at a luxury price tag. And I just feel like they don't even compare to some of the other pajamas that I have bought online or that I've bought um, just at various different stores. And like, these are incredible. <laughs> Indulge in affordable luxury by going to quince.com slash she for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash she to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash she. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University, that's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. Thrive Market is a go-to for all your grocery and household essentials, and the convenience of getting everything online then quickly shipped to your doorstep is a huge time saver. Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, and you can use their on-site filters to suit your lifestyle needs. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks, low-sugar alternatives, or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with just a few clicks. And when you shop Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one one membership matching program. You join and they give. I use Thrive Market every single month. I get our dish detergent, dish soap, and various other just basic household essentials that are low-tox and non-tox ingredients. And it is the easiest way to get all of my favorite clean items sent right to my door at an affordable price, I should add. 
Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash she for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash she. Thrivemarket.com slash she. Another question I have is that, you know, a lot of times we feel like we have to prepare everything ourselves, but what, Mm -hmm. what else could we do? Like, could we, you know, like we've heard about potluck style. Can you share a little bit on like what the value is in maybe letting others bring food or, you know, kind of having a little bit more of everyone's contributing rather than feeling like you have to prepare everything yourself? And what's the best yeah. way to go about doing that? Mm-hmm. I love that question. So we were living in Thailand as volunteers, so on full support raising. So obviously not the best financial season of our life. Mm-hmm. And then we moved back and started a small business. So it's been, <laughs> yeah, wow. yeah. Yep. So not, yeah, not the best financial season of our life, hopefully, but um, we've had to learn what hospitality looks like when you have a limited income, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes it's just the reality that we're facing. And so um, I just remember after Thailand, I was like, nothing is ever, I'm not never going to let anything get in the way of me opening my doors. And mm-hmm. so when we first were making friends here, um, I didn't want to come out with like a pity party, like I can't afford to make you all dinner, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, I kind of rephrased it into this, like, Hey, I'll make the main dish. Everyone bring a side dish to share. And my, you know, we were so nervous and people loved it. Cause like everyone has a story behind what they're making. No one complains. Um, and so I think that it's important to let your guests bring food, ask them to bring food. Um, for your sanity, because preparing everything is super hard. And also finances, like even if you are a little more, you know, in a position to cover everything, it can really be a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I think some people, when I talk about like allowing people to bring food, think, oh my gosh, the menu is going to be all over the place. It's going to be so random. And I'm a little bit type A like that. I get it. (laughs) But (laughs) um, one of the ways that you can phrase it is, you know, if you're doing that thing where I'm making a main dish, everyone could bring a side. Sometimes I'll say, I'm, I'm making an Italian chicken piccata. Do you want to bring a potato side dish? Mm-hmm. And then that way you're kind of getting what you need for the meal and it works, but you're giving them some freedom. Yeah. And then always saying yes to help. I think that's a really big thing too. Mm. What do you mean by that? Yeah. So I could picture um, seasons where I've been in the kitchen or like friends or family members. And, you know, one of us will come in and say, Hey, can we help you do the dishes? And they'll say, no, I'm okay. You know, Mm -hmm. people want you, like if you're the host, people want you at the table. And so whatever we could do to help you get there faster, Mm -hmm. um, say yes, because Mm -hmm. so many times hosts are the loneliest people because Mm -hmm. they're trapped in the kitchen. They're, you know, drowning in the details. Mm -hmm. Um, and so let people help you with the dishes, setting the table, whatever, so that you could sit with them longer. Yeah. And then they can interact with you more too. That's for sure. That's good. Mm -hmm. That's really good. Okay. I want to pivot a little bit just because I took one of your workshops with a bunch of, uh, my family over, I think it was like the end of, no, it was shortly after the holidays. It was really fun. I can't remember. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was I think in January. But either way, um, one of the <laughs> workshops that I know you offer is about putting together charcuterie boards. 
And I yeah. would love if you can give some of your top tips to creating a good charcuterie <laughs> board, especially if someone's like, this whole thing overwhelms me. Also, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. You pronounce it differently than me. And I can never figure out what you're saying. <laughs> so how do you say it? How do you say the meat and well, cheese board? What is that called? <laughs> okay. So I'm getting ready to say this in a whole in front of a whole lot of people. I don't know if I say it right. I don't know where I learned to say it this way. Maybe I, I don't say, say it right. I don't, I don't know. No. Okay, I'll have, we'll have to hear what people say, but like, I always say charcuterie with like a CH in the middle. Oh. And I'm not even going to pronounce it the French way because I'm going to butcher it. But <laughs> it's like, it's, I don't know. Take your, you know, take your pick. Charcuterie is what a lot of people yeah, say. Yeah. So you just add the ch, like the ch sound. Yeah, I guess so. But Whatever maybe comes out. That's the right out. way to say it. I'm like, you know, you're the pro. So who, who cares? Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, that's what we teach. So, okay, um, <laughs> um, yeah, so our top tips. So I remember when I first started making cheese boards at Solcom, uh, I was like, man, they never really like look like they do online. I was like, what are people doing? So I started playing with it and I realized, um, that, it, you know, it breaks down into like uh, a few, a few main things. So the first one is um, as much as you can try not to stick with all cheese slices or all cheese cubes. Um, I tend to buy three different types of cheeses and each one I buy a different shape. And so a triangle, a circle and a rectangle usually. Um, and then I cut them all differently. It's kind of hard to explain just like, <laughs> yeah, no, we need a <laughs> you know, yeah. but, but I could teach you. Um, so each one of those three shapes and then trying to stick to three colors too. So mm. I pick, yeah, I always default to Italian, but mm. if I'm doing an antipasto Italian board, I'll pick the flavor profile first and then three colors. So typically it's like red, white, and green or something. And then I'll buy my ingredients from there. And then when you're putting it together, it just comes together like effortlessly beautiful, mm-hmm. less chaotic. And uh, oh yeah, what's the last one? I I recommend the smallest board being like a fifteen inch board. Mm-hmm. So I just that size. I don't know something about that size. The three shapes of cheese and the three colors mm-hmm. is just perfection. Yeah. yeah, we made one when I did your workshop, and I remember thinking like this. At first, I was like, these are seem like the most random ingredients put together. But then once we had the oranges <laughs> on there and the rosemary and like the Marlow che- or the Merlot cheese that had like the purple, yeah. it was so beautiful. I remember thinking like, I never want to eat this. Um, it was great. <laughs> it was amazing. Um, yeah, no, I love that. Okay. So in addition to creating a beautiful charcuterie, charcuterie, however you pronounce the board, yeah. <laughs> the board that is pretty, um, what tips do you have for serving a meal? Um, what would you say to someone who's struggling to know what to serve, like putting together a menu, whether or not they're having other people contribute? Like if they're trying to coordinate, yeah. what's a meal that like, you know, most people are going to like, that's safe, that I'm not going to like burn the meat on, um, that's relatively <laughs> easy to make. What would you recommend mm-hmm. kind of being when it comes to trying to plan that? Yeah. So um, we have a class called planning and pairing memorable meals. And the whole point behind it is how to menu plan. So not like meal prep for the week. So I'm talking about, it's like plan your menus for what you're serving. And I think it's important to start with a theme or a dish that maybe you're craving or want to make. So it's, you know, taco Tuesday, um, or I'm just like, I don't know, craving sweet potato fries, whatever way you want to go. And then from there, um, there really, there's this whole formula. We have like one main dish to two sides mm-hmm. and from there, just like ingredient match. So say oh, a lot of chicken piccata today, goodness, but 
say I'm making chicken piccata, I know that there's capers, lemons, and Parmesan cheese in there. And so my side dishes, to the best that I can, I want to match an, a main ingredient in the chicken piccata in the side dish. Mm. So they're all kind of cohesive um, and work together and don't clash. Mm. That's awesome. I love that you have a class on that too. You guys go check out mm-hmm. that class. You have like covered all the bases. I love it. Um, okay. A huge part of two, a huge part of, co- of hospitality isn't only the food and the stations and all that, but yeah. also conversation. And so what about, you know, just cultivating a trust culture or a comfort, yeah. even just making people feel comfortable and like they're enjoying themselves rather than I want to get through this meal so I can leave. How do you cultivate that? Especially, you know, if conversation you know, maybe people don't know each other as well, or you're bringing together yeah. different friend groups, or people haven't seen each other in a while. What are your best tips for really creating that culture of comfort at your gathering? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is something that I've just been learning through life experience. And again, situations that make me comfortable versus uncomfortable, or even like ways I've made people uncomfortable or vice versa. Um, I think one of the biggest things is when we're in a new setting and we don't know people well, it is just human nature to, I think, want to gossip and whether it's talking about pop culture or other people or whatever, it's, it's one of those things that um, doesn't require a lot of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's easy to default to that, but what that, and I'm guilty of it. I'm not like pointing fingers. Mm-hmm. Um, I catch myself in it, you know, a lot, just the human nature. part. But, um, it's telling people like, what you tell me isn't safe because I'm talking about other people's stuff. And I don't think we look at it that way, but it does make people um, not trust you. Mm-hmm. And then I think, um, obviously, if you're just getting to know someone, you might not owe them any kind of apology. But I think that apologies are hard for our pride. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that when we take the time to apologize for offense or assumed offense, it could really... Um, you know, let people's guards fall down, you know, like, Mm -hmm. I think it's super important um, that we do that as a part of community. Mm -hmm. And then asking engaging questions. So um, I I noticed this in myself as we were moving back from Thailand, it was super easy to just stay on the surface Mm -hmm. (laughs) and not go deep with people. Um, But picking up on things that you sense are important to them. Maybe they're starting a new business. Maybe they're starting school. Um, and taking the time to kind of stay there and listen, just mm. listen to what they have to say. Mm. That's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. Okay. Now this is leading to a question that I know people are thinking, so I'm going to ask it. Oh boy. What about managing difficult, con- like when you're trying to go deeper, hear about what's important to someone, <laughs> what about when you get into a difficult conversation or an uncomfortable topic comes up that can create conflict, whether it's politics or something that just kind of can put a a discomfort or an uncomfortable feeling in the room when somebody yeah. feels very strongly about something or maybe took offense. Like when you're trying to spark deeper, deeper conversations and then it somehow ends up in a difficult conversation, what is your advice yeah. for like, how do I manage that one? Like, do I just say like, dessert, dessert's ready? Like anybody want to drink? Like, what do we do? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I wish we could do. Right. That's what I want to do. No <laughs> kidding. Um, I actually started this like branch under our business, um, our, our podcast called Making Room. Mm-hmm. And with the goal of like making room a series of difficult conversations, because my personality type, I crumble or like I get crushed under um, any kind of conflict or difficult conversation. And I was like, this isn't good. If I'm going to be hosting, I need to know how to manage this with like grace and love and confidence. So 
the first conversation, or one of the first I had was um, with a local politician. And we were talking right before the election (laughs) about how to interact with the other party. And I'm not going to go into politics, Mm -hmm. but we said with any difficult conversation, there needs to be a designated diffuser Mm -hmm. and that could be us. And so what this looks like to me is when a conversation gets heated, it's like a fire and more, it gets bigger and bigger. There's more flames. Mm -hmm. One person needs to be the one that pours the water on it, you know, Mm -hmm. And if you are the designated diffuser and you walk away, the fire is going to still, you know, mm-hmm. get bigger and bigger and bigger. So I always encourage people stay and just say, say statements out of love. So I'm not saying make little of the conversation or ignore it, but say like, you know, hey guys, this relationship's really important to me. I don't want to hurt each other. Could we talk about this in a way that's more like honoring of those at the table or, Hey, that was a little bit harsh. Can we turn this a different direction? Can we start over all those like redirecting phrases? Yeah, that's a really good, I love that. Designate yourself as the diffuser. I think, I think that's something, and I'm curious if you're the host, is it wise to kind of ma- maintain that kind of desi- like designate yourself as the diffuser? Cause I don't think anyone's like electing you, right? They're in the middle of a difficult conversation and they're not gonna be like, you're the diffuser, right? So you kind of almost have to have that, <laughs> sense of like, okay, how do I, how do I redirect this a little bit? Right. Yeah. I would say it for sure. I mean, I do, I think in a perfect scenario, yes. Like I would encourage anyone listening to, you know, designate yourself as that person. Um, but like my husband and I, I'm very Enneagram aware, but, um, I'm a three, he's a nine. I'm a way more assertive. He's way more, um, I don't know. It's like peacekeeper. So he would never be the person to have that conversation, but I would. And so to the best that you can do it, but it also depends on personality. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's great. I think even you just mentioning your spouse, like if you're, if you're co-hosting and you're hosting together, yeah. and you're inviting people into your home, having that conversation like ahead of time so that you're not both yeah. awkwardly looking at each other. Like, what do we do? But saying like, Hey, we're going to have some people who have different ideas about things at our house, or we don't know how these friend groups are going to interact. Who, if anything odd comes up or people start to feel uncomfortable, Who's the designated, like, you know, one to speak? I think that getting on the same page about that's great, you know, and kind of having a little bit of a plan. It comes back to the whole being proactive, right? If you're going to plan a meal and you're going to plan how you're going to decorate and you're going to plan this gathering, I think it doesn't hurt Mm -hmm. to plan ahead of like, if something goes a little bit sideways, what are my go-to phrases or what are the, how am I going to redirect that? You know, there's a little bit of wisdom in that planning and productivity because people's feelings are involved and, and the things they're passionate yeah. about involved more so than just their stomachs and their taste buds, right? So Yeah, it's um, so true. That's yeah. really good advice. I love that. And what's that Martin Luther King for, or, um, famous quote, hate can't drive out hate, only love can do that, something like that, right? Mm-hmm. And I think so often, especially in like Italian cultures, Greek cultures, there's a lot of like spice, you know? Mm-hmm. I love <laughs> um, <them> too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People just want to like yell back and it only makes the flames bigger. So I think at some point someone has to like lead with gentleness, lead with love. And that's, that's what's going to diffuse things. Yeah. And I actually, you know, the more, I think the more that we've observed just in our world, like I think it's no longer even just cultural. I think it's just mm-hmm. the nature mm-hmm. of the world at different times. Wow. Yeah. Attention. I don't know if it's even, I look at it, I'm like, actually, the more I think about it, I, I mean, there may be some cultures that are more expressive. But I think it's becoming something that so many people feel very passionate about and it can create that tension. So I love that you said that. I think that's great advice and mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. getting on the same page and with, with whoever you may be co-hosting with and planning ahead and really being that diffuser and that like voice of love and reason um, yeah. to keep people on the, you know, in, in a respectful space is really good. So I, I love that you brought that or that you shared that advice. 
Um, one other question. What are some things that people overlook when it comes to hospitality that aren't presentation oriented per se? Like maybe it's not the mm-hmm. the food or the the decoration or any of that, but anything that maybe people don't even really think about when it comes to hospitality or tend to overlook in the process of opening up their home or planning to open up their home? Yeah. So my two favorite tips to give um, the everyday host is uh, the first one is get ready first. So these people look at me like I'm crazy. They're like, why would I get ready first? I have red sauce on the stove, whatever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But so here's what happens. We get ready for a gathering. We're cooking and going crazy and stuff's burning and, and people start walking in the door and we're like, Oh my gosh, I'm a mess. I feel nasty. Mm -hmm. And then we all know how that works. When you feel gross, you kind of act different. You don't feel your best, you know? Mm -hmm. So get ready before you start preparing for your gathering, whatever you need to do, do your hair, put your makeup on. Um, so then if your stuff is burning, if guests are coming in, um, you at least feel ready. Mm-hmm. And then I, I know this is crazy and maybe people won't think the same way, but I always say clean your house first. So then even if you made a little bit of a mess in the kitchen or whatever, you're just spot cleaning before the guests come mm-hmm. and not having to do a total like cleaning overhaul. (laughs) Yeah, that's really good. It's almost like preparing everything outside of the kitchen. And even I never thought like get ready first because I, I, there have been many times where I've like prepared all the food and gotten everything ready. And then I have like 30 minutes or 20 minutes. Right. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to shower. And I like run and then I feel really frantic. And then Matt will open the door and I come out 10 (laughs) minutes later and my guests are waiting and I'm not there to greet them because I, you know, I lost track of time or something got burned or something happened. And so that is really good advice. Even if you just, I mean, I don't know if you've thought about this, but I'm like, I could even see just like wearing a t-shirt and having your right, hair and yes. makeup done. And then at the last minute, changing your shirt. So you don't have to worry about the the sauce or whatever. A hundred percent. Yeah, that. that's perfect. That is genius mm-hmm. advice. And also agree <laughs> on the clean the home, get yourself ready. Then because the, actually, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. You want your food to be warm. You want it to be you're like hot and ready. You don't want it to have been sitting there for hours while you're like cleaning and getting ready. So I think that order makes so much sense. I love that. And you're right. I think we overlook like how we're going to feel and so that's great. Mm -hmm. Such good advice. You have brought some really awesome tips to this. I love this so much. (laughs) Um, Where can everyone, oh, you know what? Before I ask where everyone can find you, one last question. This is something that I get asked a lot and I keep meaning to touch on it. A lot of women will reach out and say like, I'm just in an apartment right now or I'm Mm -hmm. renting a small space and it's a temporary place. Do you have yeah. any just encouragement for them when it comes to hospitality? Maybe we can wrap up here because if we don't own our own homes or we haven't been able to really yeah. make, it, what, make it ours, right? Like make it our space or there's just not a lot of space. Mm-hmm. What encouragement do you have to them when it comes to still gathering people, even if they feel like they have minimal room to work with or it's not the aesthetic they really want or it's just not yeah. their long-term place? Yeah. So actually, I mean, I touched on this a little bit earlier. When we moved back from Thailand, um, we just settled in a fully furnished, super tiny little cottage. And it's been super, it's been a huge blessing financially, but the longer we're here, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is not mine, you know? And even our followers will say, Katie, why don't you post pictures in your house? And I'm like, because I'm still, (laughs) I don't know, working through it. So I'm there, I'm there. 
And so what I decided to do, I asked the landlords for permission. I changed out the things that I could financially and just like with their permission. Mm -hmm. So I updated the curtains, which totally changed the whole house. I have a lot of greenery and flowers all the time. Um, And that's something that's super important to me. And I get them at Trader Joe's. It's really not a budget breaker. Um, And then just think little things. So your pillows, little throw rugs. Um, And then what I've had to do is just kind of spread it out over time. So maybe every month you treat yourself to like one new thing um, that works in your budget. And then over the course of six months, it's going to feel a lot more like you. That's good. I love that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Where can everyone find you if they want to follow along, if they want to learn from you, if they want to take your workshops or all of the yeah. above? Can you share where they can find you and all of your work? Yeah, absolutely. So Gather Intentional Living um, is really, I just feel like it's growing by the day, which is so exciting. There's a lot of different ways you can interact with us um, from like serveware that we're really excited to work with local artisans and the workshops. Um, those can all be found at gatherintentionalliving.com. And most recently, um, we launched our Hospitality Academy, which is a one-stop shop for everything that you need to know about hospitality. So the rookie or the expert, um, every month there's going to be three new videos, um, really from charcuterie to organizing and everything in between. And that can be found on the website as well. Ah, that's awesome. Well, Katie, thank yeah. you for your time and for everything you've shared with us. You have helped us be a, and feel a lot more equipped to host and to open our homes and gather those we love. I'm so thankful. Good. Well, thanks so much for having me. It was great. I'd love to hear from you. It makes me so happy to see you tuning into this show. So if you're on Instagram, let me know what your favorite part of the show was by taking a screenshot of the episode you've tuned into and share it on your story. Tag me at Jordan Lee Dooley and tell me what your favorite quote or takeaway from today's show was so that I can see what's helping you and even feature what you share. This keeps me inspired and encouraged to keep creating new content. And it's a great way to share something that your friends might love too. I can't wait to see you in Instagram world, my friend. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about the She Podcast or to get involved in Jordan's growing community, visit jordanleedooley.com. Thanks for joining in today. Until next time, remain committed to intentional choices that refine your heart, faith, health, and work because your story is much too important to settle for anything less. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application.